You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Maniacs, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. You can find the Needless Things Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, where I would love it if you would go and write reviews of the show and share it and tell all your friends. And also go to needlessthingssite.com for the podcast and for five days a week of original interesting content from myself and the rest of the Needless Things Irregulars. All right. So we're headed into Christmas, and I don't have anything specifically Christmassy to talk about today, uh, but I do have... So- well, no, I take that back. I do. I've got something uh, holiday Holiday-y? Holidish. Hollandaise. I don't know. i got a holiday thing to tell you about uh, before we get anywhere else. And that holiday thing is... The Holiday Puckin' Fuppet Show, Saturday, December 19th at the Village Theater in Atlanta. It's at 10.30 p.m., so that should tell you something. Uh, this is a 10.30 p.m. puppet show. If you have seen the Puppet Slam at Dragon Con, it's like that. The Puckin' Fuppet Show is home for the holidays, and it is open season on holiday cheer. Join us for a variety show of holiday-themed adult puppet shows, candy thrown at your face, and audience participation games for many merry prizes. Audience games to include. Okay, now pay attention here, people. Audience games to include. The whole basis of my own Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show is audience participation. It's one of the points of everything that I do now. So listen up, because this is what you're going to be doing at the Puck and Fuppet Show. The Baby Jesus Manger Toss. Guide My Sleigh Tonight. Eggnog Funneling Contest. And the Grand Finale... The Candy Cane Deep Throat Contest. Right? I'll go up for that. Why not? The Puck and Fuppet Show is Atlanta's premier competitive puppet slam with cash prizes for first, second, and third place as voted for by the audience. Now, that's not... Uh, you're not going to get cash for deep throating a candy cane. This is for the performers, the people who are putting on the show. So not only are you going and seeing a performance, you're also going to get to vote on who put on the best... Uh, Puckin' Fuppet Show, as it were. It's 18 and up, obviously. Nobody's going to be deep-throating candy canes uh, in front of the kids. I hope not, anyway. Uh, $10 cash at the door, beer and wine bar available. Uh, if you are interested in performing or volunteering, and uh, you know at this point maybe it's a little late, I don't know, but you can contact my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, for details and you can find Bo Brown on Facebook, and you can find the event page for the Holiday Puck and Puppet Show on Facebook. 
And uh, trust me, if you enter that in the search, you're only going to come up with one thing. Uh, funding is made possible for the Holiday Puck and Puppet Show by the Puppet Slam Network, which you can find at puppetslam.com or facebook.com slash puppetslamnetwork. So I'm going to be there because I'm already going to be out and about that night. Uh, I am going to be doing my final bout of ring announcing for PCW in Porterdale, Georgia. So actually, if you go out to PCW in Porterdale, it will be done in plenty of time for you to make the straight shot down I-20 to get to Atlanta and see the Holiday Puck and Puppet Show. So that's awesome, right? That's good times. We're all going to have fun. Uh, PCW, uh, I, I hate it. But my work schedule is shifting after the beginning of the year, and I will not be available on the first and third Saturday of every month, which is when PCW run shows at the main event in Porterdale, Georgia. So if you want to see me one last time uh, going out and, and doing not really my thing, but a thing that I can do, and, and that is introduce wrestlers to the ring, it's not like MCW where I, you know, Put a lot of extra stank on it, a little razzmatazz, a little razzle-dazzle. It's not like that. I'm just a ring announcer. Uh, I, I would not compare myself to Michael Buffer, but essentially trying to do what Michael Buffer did in the heyday of WCW. Uh, I will be doing it one last time on December 19th. Or not, you know, not last forever, but for the foreseeable future. So enjoy, come out, enjoy that, and then we'll all drive down to the Puck and Puppet Show together and get all messed up on eggnog. I love eggnog. I love it. I adore it, but I cannot imagine funneling eggnog. That's just nasty. Uh, I don't think I'll be trying that. Also, I'll still be wearing my suit from wrestling, so I'm not getting eggnog all over one of my suits because Lord knows I don't have a lot of suits. I could use some more. If you're th If you're wondering what to get Phantom for Christmas, get me a suit. Get me a gift card to a suit store. Here's... The, here's the the suit store. Go on in and pick yourself out a suit, and we'll cover it. That's what I want for Christmas. That's that's not really true. There's all kinds of other stuff I'd rather have uh, than more suits. But anyway, lots of exciting stuff happening <laughs> in one single night. Uh, there, there's also a Christmas party that you know I'll, I'll maybe I'll make it over there after the uh, puppet show. Excuse me, the puck and puppet show. Uh, I'm not sure, but stuff is going on. And like I said during Halloween, if you're not having a fun holiday season, you have only yourself to blame. Get out and do something. I'll, I'll tell you what. The other day, and I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or not, uh, I needed to go to the mall to check on a thing that would only be available at the mall. And I'm glad I did because I had to go in through Macy's. And, man, Macy's is all decked out. Uh, its halls are thoroughly decked, so to speak. And it, it, it was, there was some nostalgia involved. There was some holiday cheer involved. Cause I mean, I used to go to the mall with my mom every single year. And I haven't done it in a very long time. And walking into that Macy's just covered in, uh, poinsettias and garland and, you know, all the, all the trimmings, all the stuff you want to see. Uh, unless you hate Christmas, in which case, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> if you hate Christmas, just turn the show off now and never listen again. I don't need you. Um, 
But, uh, excuse me, if you hate Christmas, if you hate the holidays, if you hate Hanukkah, if you hate celebrations that occur here at the tail end of the year, I'll include them all in that. If you hate that stuff, then you're just a sourpuss and go away. Uh, but you're probably not listening anyway, because pretty much only cool people listen to this show. I have it on good authority. So, lots of stuff going on. Today, I, uh, last time I forgot to actually tell you guys in the intro what the show was about. And, and yes, you see it in the listings and, and wherever else, but you know, it's a thing I like to do. So, today, I am finally, as you might be able to tell over all of my lingering sicknesses, I feel much better. I'm raring to go. Everything is cool again. But I'm still a little off track from the past couple of weeks of having no motivation or, or whatever. So I didn't know what I was going to do again this week for, what, third week in a row now? So I was watching sci-fi, as I often do. I like the sci-fi network. Yes, there's plenty of crap on there I can't stand. I still don't care for Ghost Hunters. Uh, but, but there's lots of stuff I like. And they were doing an Indiana Jones marathon of all three movies. Ha, ha, ha. That'll, you'll laugh at that again uh, during the segment. But I was like, well, I, we haven't done an Indiana Jones episode yet. Let's do that. Who do I talk to about Indiana Jones? Well, it turns out my old buddy, Mike Gordon, from the ESO Network, is has a very special Indiana Jones story that he shared in this episode. So... Me and Mike Gordon talking Indiana Jones. But first, I'm going to play a little something from someone who was on episode 17 of the Needless Things podcast. And that is none other than Adam Warrock, who you may know uh, from being a very influential and well-known and prolific purveyor of geek-oriented hip-hop the guy is skilled as hell. You can go to adamwarrock.com and download a ton of his stuff for free. He's got some albums you can buy there. Uh, but the guy is just amazing. He was a great guest on the show. If you've not listened to episode 17, I recommend you go back and do it. We had a good time talking. And this is from his last crusade holy grail EP. It is called Live Forever. And you can go to adamwarrock.com and get it for free. So check it out. Until I got caught and had to give a bounty back Ask my father with a nose all in that book 
Junior. So it's time to talk about Indiana Jones. <laughs> I have been kind of off this month and a little behind, but yesterday sci-fi was – well, and today. I've actually got Last Crusade on right now. Sci-fi is doing uh, mini marathons of all three Indiana Jones movies. All three. <laughs> all three. The, uh, the last podcast I was on <laughs> – Referred to the Indiana Jones trilogy as well. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know what? We are needless things. We shine a light on the darkest corners of the nerdosphere. So we will discuss uh, the the uh, poorly intentioned, unrelated Indiana Jones film that was somewhat like Never Say Never Again. That's how I look at it. As as just sort of a weird piece of canon history that most people ignore uh, or Casino Royale. The first Casino Royale. It's like, <laughs> it's like that. Maybe. It, I, look, um, I think uh, and yeah, I mean we can get into some stuff too because man I tell you what um, uh, Temple of Doom was on my crap list for a long time. Like, like I, I still uh, do not care much for the sequel. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, well, so. let's we'll we'll get to that because I want to. Yeah, because um, first I want to like okay, so I want to know like because I know everybody has been you know talking about Star Wars, obviously. Yes, because uh, you did a couple weeks ago, and of course you know on ESO we're talking about it too, and everybody's talking about it. So it's not like it's a oh my god how trendy. Um, right, right, right. But um, and it's an important thing to talk about right now. So I yep. get it. And, yeah. but it is, it's interesting to me that when you first contacted me about, uh, talking about Indiana Jones, I was like, wow, okay. So, I mean, the, it, look, it's hard not to, to, to link the two franchises. Sure. Uh, but I was kind of wondering what in particular spawned this on. And was it just the sci-fi thing or? It, it was literally just the fact, well, um, you know, we've, we've had discussions, whether it was on ESO or Needless Things or whatever about, uh, how powerful our, our nerd memories can be. Like the first time we saw things and like certain scenes and certain movies and how many emotions they can bring forth. And what happened was my, my first Indiana Jones memory is my mom taking me to see Temple of Doom. Uh, and that's a large part of why I love Temple of Doom. So Temple of Doom is what was on sci-fi at the point where I was sit- I was sitting here at home uh waiting for my son to get home from school and uh or actually it might have been no no that's about right I, it was it was I, I think I was waiting for for him to get home from school and Temple of Doom was on and I was trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do for a podcast this week cuz it was already Tuesday and I hadn't contacted anybody. I didn't have anything lined up. Uh, just, just from getting over being ill and, and also putting a lot, we're, we're doing a lot of work on the game show right now. Yeah. I'm excited for you. We're, man, it, we're, we're really trying to put some stuff together. So like, it's just my, my focus is really divided. And I've been doing the ring announcing for PCW, uh, up in Porterdale. And there, there, my focus has really been kind of fractured lately. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean? What are you going to do? You're sitting here looking at Indiana Jones. Who can't talk about Indiana Jones for an hour plus? 
that's perfect because it's just a fun, timeless topic. Like you can do an Indiana Jones episode anytime. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be in relation to anything. And uh, I was like, well, who? Who do I want to talk to Indiana Jones about? And I was like, oh, I think I, I don't think you were on the show in November, were you? Um, I don't think I was. So we missed a month. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn it, let's get Mike Gordon back on the show because you, I just, uh, you and I uh, definitely can riff about pretty much anything. Like I, I, I think you and I could have a good show about anything that we're both familiar with. Is going to be a good show. So I was like, ah, let me let me see if Mike's available and and uh, well, kind of like what happened last time with Ryan. I was like, I know me and Ryan talking about Star Wars is oh, going yeah. to be solid for an hour. Yeah, uh, and that and was granted, pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was. I, I I like, and it wasn't full of like you know because I was I was weary because I was like I don't want it to be spoilerish or anything. But you were no, you were very good about setting that tone. Like this is not going to be about spoilers and. And, and, and look, I mean, I've been on other pod, I mean, we've talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark and the other Indiana Jones movies on Earth Station One. Uh, a couple years ago, I did, uh, the Revolutions Sci-Fi Roundtable on the ESO Network and we talked about Indiana Jones as well. Um, and, uh, I, I don't get tired of it. Um, and, but I don't, you know, claim to be any sort of, like, if people are looking for, you know, little behind the scenes, I mean, I do know a lot of behind the scenes information and stories and whatnot, but really, uh, what I like about, you know, when we talk, whether it's whether, when somebody's recording or not, is that it's 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 kind of like what you did at Dragon Con with Toy Stories. It's more about the, the what how these impact your life rather than, you know, the 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 endless amounts of trivia. Well, that's, that can be associated with it because you can get that anywhere. Right. Well, and that's exactly how I feel is it's to me when I listen to podcasts, what. What excites me and what engages me is when somebody says, oh, when I was a kid, I remember seeing the trailer and, and this was so exciting for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was great. As opposed to like putting in the DVD and watching the special features. Like that's not interesting to me. But, like you telling me stuff you read on Wikipedia is not <laughs> fascinating. Right. But no, absolutely. But and I don't even about, have the wiki page open. <laughs> right. But hearing about like Let's look at all this research I did. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is like hearing about you can't do anybody could do a podcast about Indiana Jones and running down this is how the movies were made and this is what how Harrison Ford felt when he had diarrhea during Raiders of the Lost Ark and this is da, 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 da. but nobody else can talk about how Mike Gordon and Phantom Troublemaker felt while they were watching Last Crusade. Yeah, I know that I don't. I know that I'm not the only person that's been impacted by this franchise. Obviously, because sure. it's it's really you know outside of uh, other, a few others like Star Wars or whatnot. I mean, it really is one that uh, has has you know been extremely popular, influential, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but nobody when, else can talk about how Mike Gordon has been impacted by this franchise. Well, and I'll tell you right off the bat, <laughs> this, uh, you couldn't pick anything probably any more significant in my life, pop culture-wise, than this movie. Oh, really? This movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when I saw it in 1981, changed, I mean, you hear about people saying this, whatever, and it sounds like a cliche, but it changed 
my life. I mean, it's not like I went from a druggie to a. <laughs> I cleaned up. I stopped exactly. drinking. I, exactly. I bought it a fedora. Bad, but it, it, it excited me. Like, and I'd seen Star Wars a few years before this, sure. which was very impactful. Well, and you were, uh, cause I, this is something that came up on Facebook before. Um, I did see a new hope in the theater. I, I did, but I, I was one. <laughs> I do not remember it. Uh, I, my parents assure me that it happened and I was there, but yeah, I, I don't remember that. It had no impact on me, you know, whatsoever. And I'm not going to claim that it, I'm not going to say even then as an infant, I knew I was experiencing something special. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't remember it at all. I just know that I was there. Uh, but you are like, you were cognizant of Star Wars. Like you were old enough. Well, I was, I was 10. When I saw Star Wars. So I was aware, but not, I don't think I was able to really like, you know, <laughs> couldn't really change my life because I didn't really have much of one then. I mean, well, I was only like nine. So and you know like, what? That, that's, that's a very interesting point because when you're a kid, yeah, I don't think you realize that like movies aren't done like this. Well, and uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, like, oh, this is a big thing because I what I what I, I, you don't have this every week. Everything blows your mind, and nothing blows your mind because <laughs> everything is new to you. So you don't really realize the significance. Like to me, uh, taking my son to see Pacific Rim was a huge deal because I still feel like Pacific Rim was a very significant movie. Um, it's amazing that it got made. It's amazing that it was as good as it was. And to me, taking my son to see Pacific Rim in the theater was a huge deal. To him, he's seen Avengers. He's seen, he's seen everything. Right. Like he's seen, this is nothing to him. Like there, I can't even imagine what it would take. Like what's going to blow his mind when he's like 13 or 14 or whatever is going to be some small independent film with no effects. That's not based on a comic book or anything else. Like that's what's going to get him. But and then there's you know and it, and it varies for different people too. But you know there's that whatever age that you're ready for something. I yeah, think, too. Yeah, yeah. Because you know I'd seen Star Wars, I'd seen Jaws, I'd seen Close Encounters. Did you see Jaws in the theater? Um, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, but I still, I don't think I did. It see had to be. It had to be proximal to the release, though, right? Um, I think it was on TV like a couple years after it was on the theater, and I think that's when I saw it. I think. Um, I don't. I really don't remember the first time I saw it. Dad, did I, you see? Did you see the first one first? Um, I believe so. Yes, okay. I did. See, yes, I know I did. And I, let me and I, real real quick. Let me sideline you. I saw Jaws 3D in the theater. <laughs> And it was the first Jaws movie that I saw. Uh, we went, I, I, can, I honestly can't remember why my parents would have taken me to see Jaws 3D when I was like seven or however old I was. But I do very clearly remember going to the theater to see it. I remember the 3D did not work for me because I had, uh, I wish I could remember the technical name for it so I could sound super smart right now, but I don't. Uh, the rum might have something to do with that as well. But I was, uh, I had a lazy eye when I was a kid. And because of that condition, I yeah, could 3D. not see that kind of 3D. Yeah. It didn't work for me like in movie theaters. 
Uh, so I just got a headache, and also it's a corny, shitty movie. I didn't see the original Jaws until years later, and I was like, wait, this is actually an amazing movie. <laughs> it's not some, like, shitty genre, hacky movie. This is incredible. What? So it, it's it's cool to me that you got to see the awesome, incredible one first and didn't have any baggage with it. Yeah, that's um, – I mean I saw the original Star Wars in the theater twice uh, when in 77 and 78. I, I saw – I don't – like I said, I don't remember seeing Jaws in the theater. So I, I did – I do remember seeing Close Encounters in the theater. Uh, but I was really aware of Spielberg and Lucas, and they were already in my wheelhouse in terms of uh, storytellers that I I thought the world of. And I, because I can remember seeing, I do remember seeing TV ads for Indiana Jones uh, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, as it was called then. Right. Um, right. Uh, and it, it's you know the big the big hype was from the creators of Jaws and Star Wars, and I knew who both those guys were. I was well aware. Right. They were both already starting to enter my, you know, ooh, heroes, idols, whatever you want to call it, mentor status. Um, and I was excited for Raiders of the Lost Ark. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, I didn't see it when it opened. Uh, it opened, I believe, in June. And my parents and I, were we were, uh, the whole family, sister included, uh, was, uh, going on a vacation and so i think we were not like we were in like camping in in in, in minnesota when it opened so there was no way to see the movie but on the way like on the road trip there uh i don't know if i did it i must have done it but uh i bought a novelization of the movie and i read it before i saw the movie oh wow so i went in with I mean, you want to talk about spoilers. Sure. <laughs> like, I went in knowing everything that was going to happen and even some stuff that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet the movie just blew me away. I mean, it was – it continues to be, to me, my favorite movie. I don't I, – you know, I hesitate to call it a perfect movie because that's so subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, there are mistakes in it. I'm well aware of that. Well, um, but, but, but I, your definition of a perfect movie doesn't have to be the same as anybody else's. True. And, because and, if, if certain things about it overshadow any flaws that may be perceived, then to you it's perfect. And afterwards I knew that I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell those kind of stories. I wanted wow. to be, I had made, actually, uh, that was the moment that I, I mean, I came out of there and I wanted to be a film director. I, I, I wanted to direct film. I wanted to write films. I wanted to be the guy who made something like Raiders. I wanted to, that, that's what I wanted to do. That's um, awesome. I, uh, I, you know, and it's so, uh, it, before then I had, I had been interested in actually doing comics. Uh, I saw myself as an artist and, a, and not so much of a writer, but an artist. Uh, but that was not encouraged. So, um, um, it, it kind of fell by the wayside. When I saw Star Wars, I knew that I was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. But I don't remember coming out. I mean, I was only what? Like I said, 10 or whatever. Right. Um, I didn't come out of there going, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm making that. Cause I don't think I really was aware at that time that it, like when I saw it anyway, that it was being made by somebody. So like you would have been what, 14 when you saw Raiders. Yeah. So, so Raiders, that's the sweet spot. 
boom. I mean, it hit yeah, me yeah. and, uh, I was like, this is, this has got everything. It's got, you know, um, it's got action. It's fun. It's, it, it's got a great villain. It's got a great hero. Um, I think there's, there's two things that I, I, you know, if I was a religious man, there's two things that I would thank the Lord for every day. And one is that my dad convinced my mom not to name me Corey. <laughs> and, and, and that Tom Selleck was not able to get released out of his Magnum PI con. Not that there's anything wrong with the name Corey. For <laughs> any of our listeners. And not that there's anything wrong with Tom Selleck. It's just not right for Mike Gordon. Exactly. Um, Tom Selleck as, as, uh, because you know that, right? I mean, that's oh a yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. Oh I mean, yeah, he, he, he would. I mean, th- he was the guy. I mean, yeah, he right. was indie. And, but he could. Was it that he couldn't get out of his? Like, he wanted to do it, but he yep. couldn't get out of his Magnum PI contract. Yep, that's my understanding. Is okay. that he couldn't get out of his TV contract? So, Can I mean, you it's happen- it happened to Pierce Brosnan with James Bond. So it's it was quite common around that time. Real quick, another another sidetrack because I have also been uh, dealing with some James Bond marathons lately. Uh, which, by the way, for our listeners, the James Bond collection on Blu-ray is on Amazon right now, as cheap as it's ever been. It's like ninety-five bucks for all twenty-three movies that are and currently it's so available. worth it. Yes, I, I have the Blu-ray set of I, the Bond Fifty. Oh and, my gosh, I, I I don't have it because I have so many of the movies already that when it first came out, I was like, I can't pay two hundred bucks. For this thing, but now for ninety five bucks to upgrade some of them and to just have everything, yeah, I've I had to, to have everything on Blu ray, and I took and I had about like five of them prior to that on DVD, none on Blu ray, but I had five on DVD, so I just took them to second. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So okay, <laughs> real quick, and this this will be almost like a prelude to our eventual James Bond episode. Here's what I've realized watching the marathons of James Bond that I feel like, this is my personal opinion, Pierce Brosnan never clicked for me. Uh, as much as he's the guy that we always wanted to be James Bond. I didn't, but go ahead. Uh, you didn't? Is that no, I, was, I was not in favor of him. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. well, to me, Sean Connery is... Too cool to be a human being. <laughs> He's just his shits together, and there's an aspirational thing there. Like, man, I wish I was as badass as that guy. And those first four movies, you cannot. I mean, that's you can't just, touch it. Yeah, you can't touch it. Uh, Nobody could touch it. Roger Moore is the Bond that I grew up with, and as yep. campy as he is. He still has that coolness, that slickness, that swagger. Yes, that you're just like, man. That Roger Moore, he's not a badass, but he's just so cool. Right, right. He's like um, the Fonz of Dave's Yes. <laughs> and Timothy Dalton, who a lot of people poo-poo. I like him. I like Dalton because he was darker. To me, Dalton was more in line with Fleming's vision of James Bond. Bad scripts, though. Ooh. And he was, again, yeah, terrible scripts, but... Dalton himself, yes. I feel like, was again a little more human than human. Like he was a little, 
just out of reach. Like, I couldn't be as badass as that guy. But Brosnan was, he was, a, he was too relatable. I, like, when you watch his movies, and I like his movies, and I like Pierce Brosnan, but his Bond has almost a little too much vulnerability. He's almost a little too relatable. Um, and that's just a little nugget that I'm going to throw out there. So you guys will tune in and listen when we do our eventual James Bond episode of the Needless Things podcast. Awesome. <laughs> I would I would very much like to be part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you'll be on the Bond show. I, I think we'll probably expand that one out to have a couple more people on because I think Bond... Yes. Uh, shit, that might be a two-parter. That well, yes. I mean, I know There's some a lot of folk, Bond. Some folks have done, you know, a, a whole episodes on uh, individual movies. Sure. And some folks have done certainly individual Bonds, and yes, and, you and can that, go a lot might, of different. There's a lot of material there. That might be what we do is cover each Bond over the course of time, uh, because yeah. you certainly could. But anyway, get to get back. You know, speaking, so, speaking so, of uh, yes. James Bond and. <laughs> Uh, Sean Connery in Last Crusade. We're not to Last Crusade yet, though. I can't do that. I can't jump ahead. No. Uh, what I'm going to do instead is talk about... Uh, so Raiders of the Lost Ark changed your life. It did. It Like I said, it did. And, it you know, it it was... Uh, I, I You know, I can't think of a... Sometimes I think movies just... Just lightning hits them. Uh, I felt the same way about... Uh, Casablanca. Uh, I'm much, I really like the, the old classic movies. I'm a big Hitchcock fan. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and so Raiders has a lot of those elements in it that it's classic. It's got a classic feel. It doesn't feel like I, you know, over the years, I don't think it feels dated because, it's timeless. yeah, because it was, you know, obviously they were filming in a way that, was uh was to trying to make it timeless because they were filming about something that happened in the 40s but right. but still um uh it's it, it's just the script um by Lawrence Kasdan and Paul uh Paul Kaufman, uh, sorry Philip Kaufman um I think was perfect uh they just they two great talents I've uh, admired both of men and, and and what they've done outside of uh Raiders afterwards uh a lot. Again, the acting, the, the, the casting. I just think everything came together so well. You know what? Um, Let's, you, you, we both brought up how timeless Raiders is. But it's not really about the era that it takes place. But that helps because it is in the past. So we yes. look at it, we look at it with a certain perspective that this is something that's taking place in, uh, 1944? No, it's before, it's, it happens before, uh, the U.S. gets involved with World War II. Yeah, you're right. Well, here's, and this is an interesting thing to bring up that I, I think people don't necessarily always realize is the, uh, the chronological order of the movies is Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade. Oh, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, and, and then other, right? But, um, Raiders, the, the, well, the, I would say the original three Indiana Jones movies, a lot of their timeless quality comes from the way that they were made and not necessarily the era because I look at Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and it does not possess that timeless quality. Well, we can spend a whole four hours finding with everything that's wrong with that one. But, um, right. But, but it yeah, you're doesn't, right. It, it, yeah. 
just doesn't have that fit. And I will admit, I don't know, uh, you know, I feel a lot of it's to do with the horrible CGI stuff that uh-huh. happened in it. Uh, and the fact that so much of it just, it, it's not shot, a lot of it's not shot on location. And it's obvious while watching the movie that it's not. Um, but also it's really hard. And this is something that's going to impact Star Wars Episode 7 as well. When you discover something in your childhood, which I would consider childhood to be whenever you're first cognizant of these sorts of things, which uh, for me, I would say is around six or seven is when I first started taking things to heart and loving them uh, until probably around 14 or 15. I would define that as childhood because I think that, uh, you know what, and maybe even up to 17 because music and movies and books I think have the most impact from around six or seven to around uh, 16 or 17. I think that's when things penetrate the most. So when you discover something like Indiana Jones, those three movies happen for me in that sweet spot. Uh, I guess Last Crusade, this is an interesting point to bring up then, because Last Crusade, for you, 1989, how old would you have been? Um, I would have been 20. So it was it was outside of my theoretical sweet spot for you. Uh, what I, and we're going to have to jump around because for me, I saw Temple of Doom first, so I have to jump around a little bit anyway. So we'll go ahead and jump around real quick to Last Crusade. Did it? Was it as magical for you? Did it feel as it does it to this day feel as much a part of Raiders to you? Did it have that? Did it have that Indiana Jones magical, like, this is part of my heart and who I am aspect? It, 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 it wasn't completely successful in that regard. Interesting. Okay. But it was, <laughs> it was, a re- it was very much a redeeming uh, factor. Uh, a lot of redeeming factors there. It felt better, um, much better uh, than. Then Temple of Doom did to me. Okay, well, let's then that being the case, let's move on. Then, well, actually, I've got to talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, yeah, when did you see it? Okay, so I saw my first Indiana Jones memory, aside from seeing the commercials for the toys on television, uh, was seeing Temple of Doom in the theater with my mom. Which a lot of eighties movies, uh, Wrath of Khan, Supergirl. Uh, I, I could go on, but my mom took me to see a lot of the awesome Empire, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, she took me to see a lot of the stuff that formed my youth, the Goonies. Uh, so she took me to see Temple of Doom and Temple of Doom was very impactful to me. I remember sitting in the theater watching that movie and loving short round. This kid is part of this adventure. And I, even as a kid, I typically hated the kid avatar character. Uh, like in the mask cartoon, Matt Tracker's son. I couldn't stand him. 
Uh, I never liked that, uh, like Orko in He-Man, that Avatar character that the kids were supposed to relate to, I always hated. I loved Short Round. I loved him. So for me, Temple of Doom, uh, you know, the, the, the jumping out of the airplane into the raft, and I liked, like, Willie annoyed the shit out of me, but at the same time, she made me laugh. Uh, Mola Ram was a demon to me. He was terrifying. I had nightmares about Mola Ram and the thuggy cult. All of them, like, haunted my dreams. Uh, I, I just, Temple of Doom, I'm not going to say it was as effective to me as Raiders was to you, but it was definitely one of the big momentous films of my youth. Uh, and it it is, regardless of how you feel about Temple of Doom, aside from the dinner scene, it's pretty much breakneck speed. Like, the plot hurdles itself along. Uh, and even at the dinner scene, you have crazy shit like the monkey brains and the, the baby snakes and the bugs. Like, it's it's all of that stuff just pounded itself into my brain because I'd never seen anything like it. Do you think at what uh, when did Temple of Doom come out? Eighty three or four? Eighty four. Eighty four. So I'm eight years old. I am the age that my son is now, and I am seeing people eat chilled monkey brains. I'm seeing them suck the guts out of giant scarab beetles. I'm seeing. Baby snake slid open. I'm seeing short round and Indy walk around on not fortune cookies. <laughs> I'm seeing Willie have to reach into that fucking nasty slime thing to save Indian short round. Like her bravery, and this is why I can't ever hate Willie like so many people hate Willie. She did something I never could have done. And quite frankly, at 39 years of age, don't know that I would be able to do. She reached into those bugs and that nasty <laughs> shit and pulled that lever to save Short Round and Indy. Uh, and then that door comes, that big stone comes crashing down and Indy reaches back in to grab his hat. And you see his arm's about to be shattered, but he still gets his hat. And that little kid, that little dickhead kid that's the... Uh, the vizier or whatever he is, the sultan, the yeah. swami. I can't remember exactly what his title is. But, uh, you know, you hate that kid and short round punches that kid and you're like, fuck yeah, short round. Like, I saw all that stuff when I was eight years old and good or bad, it imprinted on me. Uh, in the same way, I had a discussion earlier about Doctor Who uh, and about how classic Doctor Who imprinted on me at a very young age. And there's no way I can be objective about it. I, I have no idea. If I had discovered Doctor Who in the past decade or so, I can't even tell you if I would or would not be able to watch it or love it because I found it when I was seven and I fell in love with it when I was eight or nine or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I don't have any objectivity about that shit. And it's the same thing with Temple of Doom. I can't be objective about it because, and, and, right. And there's, and yeah, and I can't. Look, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna, not gonna I'm certainly not gonna argue with you, um, and and I think that you know and I can understand that I've learned to appreciate Temple of Doom 
more now than when I originally saw it in '84. Well, and, um, and let's let's be frank about it because you're not. As I said, it's imprinted on me. It's part of my being and my life experience. Right. So nothing you're going to say is going to upset me because I, I I understand what people don't like about it. So, well, it's it's interesting because. Um, you know, and I, you know, Raiders were something that for years, I mean, I was really sensitive about. And, uh, you know, uh, I can remember having a discussion with a friend of mine, uh, back in, I don't know, must have been 82 or so, um, you know, or, um, and, and talking about the movie. And I was just like, you know, so passionate about it and, you know, talking about it all the time. And my, you know, I think my friend said something like, well, it's all right. It's, it's a little, con- it's a little contrived, right? And you're like, I have hated the word contrived ever since. Like I have had a beef with the word contrived ever since then. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, it this is like, you know, before the internet. So, sure, yeah, yeah. you know, but he really did kind of like thread bomb me. Yeah. Uh, right. And, uh, and I, 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 you know, uh, he's not my friend anymore, but, um, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't make the cut. Um, and, uh, but in any case, it, uh, it was, I couldn't see, I couldn't see it any other way. And I, look, I, like I said, I know the movie's not perfect. There's nothing out there that's perfect. No. And, you know, as I said, many times Except before, for Stardust. It, it all depends on. Matthew Vaughn Stardust is perfect. I was going to say, are you talking about the wrestler or the movie? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, yes, the wrestler Stardust, also perfect. <laughs> um, uh, but I, you know, so everybody has, you know, you know, things that they like and they don't like, and and this just hit me like on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, now, I might have been able to enjoy Temple of Doom a hell of a lot more had I not ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. But as a follow-up movie, um, uh, you know, little did I know that Lucas's like interest in doing prequels would get even more obsessive. Uh, but that I thought right off the bat was a bad move. I was like, why is he doing? Why are they doing a prequel? Why is this happening before the events of Raiders? Um, and the fact is, is that he didn't want the Nazis to be the villains. And after you know the thirties, uh, they are the villains. Of the world, so you know if you don't want the Nazis to be Indiana Jones's villain, then you have to kind of go back instead of forward. Right, um, right. And and whether or not that was a smart move or not, I don't know. I well, I certainly don't think that the making it a prequel was smart. And it just felt like a different character. The, the it was he was written differently. Um, uh, he makes an off comment at the end of the movie where he says, "Eh, it would just these these things would just end up in a museum." When his whole purpose of doing what he does in Raiders is so that the Ark belongs in a museum. I mean, right. everything he does, he gives to Mar- – well, he sells, but he, he, he does for Marcus to put in the museum. I mean, he is so mu- museum-obsessed uh, that, you know, whether it's a a real thing or not, it's just part of his character that that's what he does. In fact – Well, and, and to me, that part of his character is an obsession with – enlightenment with the sharing of knowledge to the people like it's it's not uh my my view of that is he loves and if you look at him 
through the movies, he really loves, that's why he's a teacher. He loves explaining things. He loves sharing knowledge. He loves yep. showing people history. And that's where that whole, it belongs in a museum. It's so everybody can see it. Well, actually, it belongs. It, we get where it comes from in the 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 first few moments, uh, the first scene of. Uh, um, I just blew the last. What's the 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 third one? Oh, Last uh, Crusade. Last Crusade. Thank you. Whew, why? Uh, um, so, so uh, Last Crusade. The, it opens with him as a as a kid. Yes. And his father obviously has an influence. Yes. On him. Yes. Um, and. It, it, he says over and over again in that little bit, um, you know, you can't, you shouldn't have the cross because it belongs in a museum. You shouldn't have this. You shouldn't take this because it belongs in a museum. He's, he's because of his father as a role model. I mean, that is. Which, by the way, some of the father son stuff in that movie. Yes. Drives me to tears. It like, is a. Every time. It is a beautiful father and son. My gosh. And that is. Despite some of the other kind of hokey things that they do, the action sequences combined with the chemistry that Ford and Connery have and the scenes that they have together are just uh, make that outstanding. I mean, it is a, it was a true redemption. Nobody um, could have played Henry Jones Sr. other than Sean Connery. Possibly, but he was, you know, I'm not going to say that because I don't we don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is that I can't imagine it would be better. Like, you know, it's like, I can't imagine that anybody could do better than Sean Connery. And, and at the time, and, and once again, we're going to jump around a little bit. At the time, who would have ever imagined Sean Connery as this sort of, you know, slightly silly, uh, slightly unaware, oblivious old man? Yes. Like I mean, we, we, you're, had, you're, yeah, you're talking about a guy. I mean, you know, Connery gets some flack sometimes for, you know, using the same accent, whether he's playing a Spaniard or a Frenchman, uh, or a Russian. Uh, to but, me, that accent is not Scottish. It is badass. It is Connery. It is Connery. It is a badass accent. That's, but, if you are a badass, that's what you sound like. He, you know, we just mentioned a little while ago that you, those first four Bond movies are untouchable. Yeah. Now, granted, he's decades older, but he is playing this very fragile, like not really having a clue kind of. Right. Oh, oh my! Not and yeah. Look what you did! Not an adventurer at all. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And uh, and and yeah, that's and he does it really well too. Yes. I mean, you you're like that's the same guy who was James Bond, right? James Bond and Zardoz and, and, you know, innumerable, <laughs> other, and, uh, I can't remember his, uh, oh, Ramirez. And, you know, I was going to say, he just finished playing Ramirez a couple years right. before that. And he was awesome in that. He was kicking ass. And, and, and granted, yes, that's acting. But <laughs> we're talking about making the audience overlook decades of a very specific type of character. Yeah, you know, people talk about, you know, actors talk about being typecast all the time. And even Sean was 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 critical of the fact that he might be typecast because sure. he was known as James Bond so well. well but here's a guy who takes other parts and he actually, you know, wins people over and says, you know what, I can... And now it took him decades, but... So, but, uh, okay, so let's get uh, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Going in, uh, as I said, it, it to me, that was my transformative experience. To you, you had Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark had... had 
shifted your brain. So go when you went to see Temple of Doom. I'm not sure if anything could have when lived you, up to my expectations. Right, but you're not you're not in the minority in in not being initially satisfied with it. Uh, it is no. widely regarded uh, until Crystal Skull came <laughs> out. Well. Here's the other thing too that I remember reading articles and because I was very much involved with or interested, I should say, in in how things were made. Uh, the the two <laughs> this is going to funny. It's this is absolutely true. The two first uh, video cassettes that I bought for my Betamax VCR Ooh. <laughs> were were Raiders of the Lost Ark, and this is back when they cost like eighty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is expensive now. Uh, and back then it was unheard of. Right. Back uh, then that was probably the modern equivalent of like over $200. So I got Raiders of Lost Ark and it wasn't widescreen. Oh and, gosh. And I got, uh, they had a making of, it was like a two hour, like two things that they had, two TV specials that they had put together for the making of. One was famous and fabulous stunts or something like that. And the other was an actual like making of Raiders Lost Ark and they, they had like an hour special. And, uh, and I loved both of those so much. I'd seen them on TV, but I, I bought that too. So I can't remember. I don't think that was as expensive, but let's say it was $50. I mean, sure. I spent over a hundred dollars on basically a movie and bonus features. Right, uh, right, right. Um, uh, before they had those, you know, and, uh, and, and it's true. My, I wanted, it didn't work out because I, um, I, the store didn't have it, but I wanted my first CD to be the Raiders of the Lost soundtrack. It was my third, I think. Um, I, I own Raiders on beta, VHS, uh, regular DVD and Blu-ray. And I don't own it on a Laserdisc, but I never owned a Laserdisc player. So otherwise I probably would have had that as well. Um, I ordered, Raiders of the Lost Ark on Blu-ray just, I think, earlier this year. It was on a sale or something. And I was like, oh, I don't have it. Sure, why not? So I bought it. It arrived. I have I have Blu-rays and DVDs that are like five years old that I've gotten and I haven't watched yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. Um, uh, but I got that that day and uh, that night that I got it, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Because I was just like, I just was so keen to see it. And, uh, I, I, I've seen it I, more times than maybe any other movie that I've ever seen. Uh, I don't, you know, I own a bunch of other stuff, uh, about it, but the, the soundtrack to me is, is beautiful. Uh, the Raiders March is one of, I think it's better than anything that he did for Star Wars. And he did some beautiful music for Star Wars. Um, I, I, even though I was interested in making movies, uh, so much can be like, it's so much can be attributed to Raiders. Uh, because I, I, I've never, never trusted award shows, never. Oh yeah. Liked the Oscars. I mean, I've watched them all the time and I've, and I've, you know, kind of, but I've always held it against the Oscars that that year that Raiders was up for best picture. It lost out to Chariots of Fire. To this day, I've never seen Chariots of Fire. <laughs> I have. It's <laughs> fucking boring. I can imagine. And the soundtrack, I think, even lost to, Ra- to Chariots of Fire. But that's because, <sighs> I, I feel anyway, uh, Raiders is a genre movie. 
But it was well, and I didn't know that at the time. I mean, right, I didn't, right, you right. know, I just thought it was the best movie, and it should have won. And granted, I think time has been on my side here yes. that it should have won. Well, um, let's, are are people today recording podcasts about chariots of fire? <laughs> Not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so so therefore, I will admit that I did have a lot of baggage. Going into Temple of Doom, I was also really excited about Temple of Doom, but I had a lot of baggage. Um, I will just briefly say that. Um, oh well, I do want to, you know, there's, you know, whether it's Willie or or Short Round or whatever, and some of those things I didn't care for as much as I should have, uh, or I, I could have. Let's put it that way. Uh, the villain I didn't think was as powerful. Blah blah blah. But really, what what I think came down to it is that it it wasn't until I saw Temple of Doom that all of a sudden I realized. Oh my God. Like Indiana Jones is a different character for me than it is for George and Steven. George and Steven see Indiana Jones as a archaeological James Bond. He, he has adventures. He, he gets out by the skin of his teeth. Uh, he, he beds like women all over the world. Like I never like that was the the guy I didn't see that in Raiders because in Raiders he's got you know, like one woman and he pretty much like sticks with her and it's an it's a lost love. Well, now now it's wasn't how that started, but and, and you may not have known that initially, but wasn't there an issue with getting uh, uh, Kate Capshaw? Um, I'm not sure. Or was it purely I, based I, on the fact that that uh? Spirit- I, Spielberg was married. Well, I think it was around that time that Stephen and and Kate like or not started. Kate, uh, Kate? No, who who was Marion? Oh, you're talking about Karen Allen. Karen Allen wasn't, uh, and and that's the thing is, was there an issue with getting Karen Allen back, or was it just that well, Spielberg it made sense. wanted it was to put Kate Capshaw in the movie? It was a prequel. It wouldn't have made sense. And, and these guys saw him, saw, I mean, if they, if you hear, hear their interviews, they see him as a more of a James Bond guy. That oh, he's okay, like okay. A different woman and da da da, you know. So, uh, you know, they see him that way. I didn't. Well, let's, uh, I, wait, wait, let's look at the history a little bit first. When, cause he goes, uh, in Raiders, uh, he goes and, and finds Karen Allen, uh, finds yeah. Marion, uh, in this bar. Had they not seen each other since college or whatever? Well, it wasn't college. It was, uh, they were on an archaeological dig with his father. Um, and, uh, I think she was only a teenager. And, uh. So that was part of the issue. It's, yeah, it's, you know, George has an issue with like some icky, icky relationship things early, like in his <laughs> movies. Like, you know, whether it's brother and sister or, right, right. you know, because uh, if you do the, he- if you do the math, on on you know uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones and Marion back when I they never first have. hooked up it it doesn't it doesn't look good it looks like oh. it looks like he he could be arrested but oh no I didn't but know here's that the, but here's the fact like because I I do know that um like they were talking about um I think one of the scenes in Temple of Doom where they go to Jones's apartment and at first it was going to open with like a, like a, like not a Muslim, but a woman that we don't see. It's just like, he's, you know, he's, he's got a woman in his, in his bed. And, and when, um, when Denim Elliot, when Marcus open like knocks on the door, it's kind of like, Oh, you're interrupting that. Um, but they, they, they cut that out for some reason. I can't remember why. And then, 
and so they 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 kind of did see him as a womanizer and all of the books and the comics and everything like that had him meeting different women all time and I, I i didn't want that from indiana jones i kind of liked i really liked the indiana jones marion relationship and it was to me it was like it was like a casablanca or a or a to have and have not kind of thing and back in the uh, the forties, you know, and, and and Bogey and Bacall and kinda of, and I wanted to see that continue rather than oh well he's just gonna get a different woman every every movie, you know. Um so I didn't I didn't appreciate that. Um and uh again I like and then I started to realize yes, he he's a, a different kind of figure. And then we and then I noticed that we didn't agree uh, on a lot of things too, like in um Last Crusade uh, they make Marcus out like he's a doofus. Like he just can't like do anything. Uh, you know, cause there's that one scene where Indiana kind of, you know, blows smoke about, about the Nazis say, Mark, you'll never find him. He'll blend in. He and knows that's a thousand one of my languages. Favorite scenes of that whole movie. <laughs> and he's toddling around like, yes. what? can yes. anybody help me? And I'm yeah. like, oh no. Cause Marcus was like, I thought he was cool. You know, I thought he was, That's you know, so he funny. was, he was the guy that, uh, Indiana Jones relied on. He knew about stuff. I mean, he knew about history. He's the guy that's warning Indiana Jones about the, the Ark and the, and, you know, he's got that powerful speech in the first movie where he's like, you know, the Ark, if it is their tennis, then, you know, then it was something. Oh, sorry. That's, uh, Sala. But, but Marcus is like, you know, like, you, you know, well, you don't. Are get you really impression. sure you want to in, go after this thing? In, in Raiders, like you don't get the impression that he's a buffoon. No, it's not no. that. Uh, and, and gosh, that's so interesting because my perspective is entirely different. Because sure. uh, I was thirteen when Last Crusade came out, and really, still, I, I think as far as critical thinking goes, uh, I was something of a late bloomer. <laughs> I think I did. It took me a little longer to start questioning what I was being handed. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, this would be an interesting topic for a whole other episode is, is what's the first movie that you realized was bullshit? And I don't know what it is for me. I would have to really sit down and think about it, but I can tell you up through being 13 years old in 1989, uh, when Tim Burton's Batman came out, which I ate up with a spoon, and know. Last Crusade came out, which I adore, and to this day still adore, and, and I recognize there are a few things in it that are very much trademarks of creators getting older, uh, like Marcus being a, a bit of a buffoon, and uh, some of the more comedic elements are... There's definitely more comedy in Last Crusade than there was in Raiders. And some of it I love. Yes, yeah, some the, of it. The, it, well, the, and it, the scene where Connery and Ford are tied to the chair. Oh, my gosh. And the thing is on fire and all yes. that. And Oh, they're just, they're great. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful to watch. But that. there is a lot more comedy, and that's not young, edgy creators. That's people who are... uh it's older guys. It's family guys writing this stuff now. It's it's people who are coming at it from a different perspective that well, yeah, like and, shake things up and be and, interesting. And it's different people. Um, both uh, Philip Kaufman and Lawrence Kasdan bailed after the first one. Right. 
So with Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, he, you know, George went to some pals of his, um, and, and they wrote, you know, they wrote Temple of Doom and two of the biggest set pieces, the action sequences, the, the, um, the club scene in the beginning, everything goes, that whole, that whole thing, as well as the mine car, uh, chase, both of those were in the original treatment and script for Raiders Lost Ark, but they were cut. Uh, because they didn't, they didn't have, they had to cut somewhere. They were like, ah, this is going to make it too long. So they popped those back in the, so, you know, they took the two things that they cut from the last one and they built a movie around, around them. And like I said, I, I don't, I don't think it was that, uh, well, and, and also the other thing that was going on, and you probably remember this too, and I think Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is probably well regarded from a lot of kids that are really into horror because, uh, this movie was really the, the, uh, I think the last straw for, uh, to getting the PG 13 rating. Like, um, you know, PG was a thing and then Temple of Doom came out and with the heart scene with him grabbing his heart and all that kind of stuff and showing to everybody that, you know, the, the critics had a deal, a problem with that and it caused all sorts of controversy. So boom. Answer PG-13. My recollection has always been, and gosh, I can't remember what it is right now, and I'm I'm actually going to do something I do not often do on this show and look something up so you might hear me typing a bit. Uh, I remember a different movie as being the impetus for, oh, you know what? That's part of it. Okay, according to businessinsider.com, Temple of Doom and Red Dawn, yeah, Red uh, Dawn was were the impetus for the PG thirteen rated because they're both rated PG. Yeah, um, uh, Gremlins too, by the way. Not, Gremlin, not, Gremlin, yeah. not the sequel, but the first Gremlins. Yeah, Gremlins as well. So they were, <laughs> so they were. <laughs> yeah, um, and I remember uh, Gremlins. So there was being a big kind of movement around that time, right around eighty four, eighty five. Yep. Uh, the Flamingo Kid was the first film to be given a PG thirteen rating. There you go. Uh, which I don't even know what the fuck that is. Really? <laughs> what is it? Is it Matt Dillon? Matt Dillon. There okay. You go. So you know, you know, you just well, put a, you just blocked it back. Well, no, there. honestly, I don't know that I've seen it, did. but that that popped into my head. I, I don't know. My, you know, I don't think it really has much effect on the the franchise per se, and I certainly don't hold it against Temple of Doom. Uh, you know, it was pretty graphic, but I don't, I mean, as a, I, I would, didn't care. I was seeing stuff like that all the time back then. So it didn't really bother me. Well, here's the it, thing. It, it's and, not something that I hold personally against the movie. Well, and here's, here's an interesting thing is I was my son's age when I saw the movie. Now looking at Temple of Doom, I think, man, that's some pretty intense shit. But I know that I saw it in the theater, and it didn't turn me into like a serial killer or anything. So I will take your word on that. It, <laughs> well, it's very interesting, though. Like looking back at what we had in the eighties versus now, and I think to a certain degree, like I wonder if Temple of Doom came out now, what it would be rated. Uh. And I wonder if we're maybe a little overly sensitive as a society about certain things. Like, I don't know how ratings, 
there, there's, there's an interesting thing because I look at stuff and I think, oh, I don't know that I want him to see that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I saw that when I was this age. Uh, you know, as a parent, there's a weird perspective I get because Goonies came out in 85, I think. And shit is every other word in that movie. Yeah. And I haven't let, and Monster Squad, uh, Monster Squad came out 85, 86, right around that mid 80s time. And it's a great movie content wise, but they are constantly, the kids are constantly calling each other fag. And I don't want my son to hear that and think that that's okay. But the thing is, I saw it whenever it was that it came out and I don't like, I was always sort of conscious of that. Uh, you know, times are different now than they were then. But once it did become clear that that was not an okay thing to say, I was like, oh, I get that. It's, it's weird. It's, it's hard to have a certain perspective about what your kid absorbs and what I absorbed at the time. Uh, but Temple of Doom, it's a pretty grisly movie. It's very dark. Um, a lot of the reasons behind that tend to tend to point towards uh, George, who was having a very it was a very dark time in his his personal life. Oh, now see, that's interesting. I was not aware of that. Yeah, he uh, uh, he was he he was going through some stuff, and uh, uh, his marriage I think was breaking up and all that too. So uh, that was part of it, and there was some other things too. I think, but. Um, and so, yeah, he was originally he wanted or one of the uh, stories that he wanted to develop was that uh, the second one was going to take place in a haunted uh, mansion of some kind, um, like a castle and, and there would be traps and all this kind of stuff. And I will tell you right now, Indiana Jones and the Haunted Mansion is a movie I would go see. <laughs> yeah, they uh, <laughs> they uh, some of it kind of does end up in the the temple uh in india um uh but uh spielberg at the same time was doing poltergeist and he was kind of like ah, i'm already kind of doing that george right so right so um so yeah so george is coming from a dark place so there's a little bit more um there's a little bit more i think there's a little bit more horror elements to temple of doom oh for and, sure and and so i noticed that uh people that i know that enjoy it more than i do are more are much more horror fans than I am. So. Well, and at that point in my development, right around that time is when I had started watching some of the Hammer horror movies with my grandmother. Uh, my granny is the one that introduced me into horror. Like my first Stephen King books came from her. Uh, we would when we would go visit her, we'd stay up late and watch the in North Carolina, the local horror shows. And I would see, you know, hammer horror movies and all kinds of different stuff from that era. Like all that came from her. And it was right around that age, eight, nine, ten years old that I started getting into that stuff. And that was definitely something that attracted me about temple of doom was it had those elements. I could see that. I could see that. The, um, as, as so as far as Temple of Doom now has it changed over time? Do you do you still? I mean, obviously you still have a lot of feelings towards it as the strong as they are, but do you still feel like it's it's the best of the lot? 
Um, I, it's not the best of the lot. My favorite is Last Crusade. Uh, but I will say that I have that, that inability to have perspective on Temple of Doom because it hit me in that formative sweet spot. The same way that classic Doctor Who did, uh, I cannot be, I can't step back and look at it from a critical thinking point of view. I just can't because mm-hmm. it it hit me in that developmental stage in that point where I was figuring out who I was and what I liked and what I enjoyed. So there's there's no way I could ever step back and look at Temple of Doom in a critical manner. Um I I just can't and I've watched it countless times cuz I've got the Blu-ray set um with all of with the entire trilogy (laughs) uh and when you know indiana jones is one of those things where if i'm watching one of the movies i'm watching all of the movies i all three of them yeah i all three yes all three of them uh i i can't just watch one if i see a few minutes of one i'm watching all of them that's just how it is it's the same thing with the original trilogy with star wars like there's no just watching the empire strikes back that's to me that's fucking absurd i i just can't uh. there's and that's not gonna happen uh and, and indiana jones is the same way that 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 original uh six plus hours of content to me is one story I have to say that uh, it is interesting, and I think the one thing that we've taken away from this is that those those formative year, formative years, um, you know, that I feel very blessed that you know through like Star, it, it might have started with Star Wars. I mean, sure, there were movies that I liked before then, but of course, Star Wars blew me away. And then you know, after that, whether it was uh, Star Trek. Especially Star Trek Two, uh, Flash. Oh Gordon. yeah, Flash Gordon. Well, Wrath of Khan. Um, Wrath of Khan is another one that uh, my mom took me to see. That is very much. I I could never be objective about that movie. Yeah, I I I like if I had to name my top ten movies, Raiders going is going on it. Uh, the Star Wars trilogy because I find it difficult to separate them. Right, uh, the original trilogy. Um, uh, Flash Gordon, uh, Star Trek Two. Uh, these are movies that I, I know, like. Th- there's not a day that goes by where a at least one line from most of those movies pops into my head. Yes, it doesn't pop into my head. I mean, I just they they are so much a part of me. They formed who you are. Yeah, and 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 Raiders is the 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 prime example. It's like the beauty of them all. Like it's the big 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 impact like boom i i can't think of another piece of art piece of work uh book comic book soundtrack uh album i can't think of anything that has had as much of an impact on my life pop culture wise as that movie did that's very interesting and i i I had no idea of that when i asked you if if uh we could do this episode now that's why when you asked me, I was like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> You're like, "Well, of course." I am your guy. So, Temple of Doom. Uh, you know, it is what it is for for each of us. Uh, Last Crusade. We've talked about a little bit, but 
for me personally, Last Crusade was one of the biggest cinematic things that had happened at that point in my life because the mythos of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom had been established. Harrison Ford, by that time, was a superstar. Sean Connery was a superstar. These men in a movie together was almost unthinkable. And doing the Indiana Jones starring Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, I can't think of anything bigger that could have happened. And we're talking about the same year that Batman finally came out because Tim Burton's Batman, uh, a Batman movie had been in the works from one form or another for decades at that point. And the fact that last crusade in my mind is as big as Batman is wild. Yeah. Uh, and, and that just shows how much had been established at that point. Because if you look at it from a practical standpoint, you know, Batman at that point had been around for 50 years. Indiana Jones had only been around for less than 20. Hadn't even been around for two decades at that point. And yet, Indiana Jones movie was, was almost a bigger deal than Batman's movie. That summer. And, uh, so Last Crusade going in, uh, like I said, I was 13 years old and, and really hadn't gotten to the point where I was a critical thinker yet. I was still very much a go with the flow pop culture. Wow. This is going to be the next big thing. Well, yeah, sure it is guy. And just went into Last Crusade and enjoyed every second of it. The opening with River Phoenix as a young Indiana Jones was incredible. Uh, River Phoenix, my gosh, he just was Harrison Ford. What, what are your thoughts about his, his performance as Indy? Because, you know, we've had two movies. Well, here's the thing is there's no getting around the fact that Harrison Ford is carrying with him at that point the baggage of being Han Solo and being Indiana Jones. And that Harrison Ford is to a certain degree is Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Like he's just, he at that, in 1989, Harrison Ford is a mythical figure. <laughs> well, he, he's, he, he's, he is. He's, yeah, and, and he's, and he's more than that. I mean, to me, he's, he's Deckard. I mean, that. Right. Yeah, you're that, right. And at that when, point, at that point, I had not seen Blade Runner. Oh, I had. So I, I, that was definitely, and I'd seen Witness as well. So, and so he was, I knew that he was, I mean, he's a mega star. So River Phoenix, you know, he's not just taking on playing a young Indiana Jones. He's taking on playing a young Harrison Ford. Yeah. And he fucking nailed it. I can't even think of another instance where two actors have so successfully nailed the same character. 
Hmm. I'd have to think about that. But I, I, I do think that he was, he was great. His uh, every, his every motion, his every word, his delivery of every line. There well, I must admit, I was pretty relieved at the fact that he kept saying over and over again, it belongs in a museum. I was like, thank God, we're finally getting Indy back. Well, um, and just his uh, his motions, the way he talks to his subordinate, the kid that's that's uh, that's with him down watching the guys. Like, yeah. he really, like, I don't know if he was a method guy, but your greatest method actor's that like that's what we were looking at was River Phoenix embodying this iconic character of Indiana Jones who was Harrison Ford absolutely it was the only my only criticism of it was that the fact that it was too <laughs> it was too convenient that like every single thing from Indiana Jones that made him Indy was like on you know uh was in this one adventure uh, of course, I say that having just five minutes ago said that this movie, this one movie, <laughs> made up my entire being, and here it is, like you know, forty years later or whatever. So uh, I realize how insane that is, but um, in it, yeah, because like the hat, the whip, the scar, the but s- ag- snakes, and again, everything like this, all in one adventure. And I'm but like, again, wow. going back to the creators of the franchise at that point had aged. And it was, you know, well, let's give them the shorthand. Like, I think a younger, edgier Lucas and Spielberg would never have done that with River Phoenix. But when you're older, you know what? Let's give the people who are going to watch this movie, let's give them what they want, but let's do it right. And I feel like that's what it was. Yes, obviously, it's ludicrous that that's where the hat came from. That's where the scar came from. And this kid is so self-assured. And he's already, even though he's only, you know, 14 or 15, I don't know how old he was supposed to be at that point. But let's give him a fully formed Indiana Jones, even though he's only a kid. But it's that crowd-pleasing and yet tonally perfect uh, thing that I think an older, more mature filmmaker does. And, and I, you know, as I personally get older, I, I feel like I've certainly changed. You know, I've, I've been, I've been writing about pop culture for the past seven years. And my presentation has changed drastically, not only because I've gotten older, but because I've had a kid and because I've dealt with more people personally. Like you, uh, I don't know if mature is the right term, because I do feel like there's a certain amount of crowd-pleasing that goes into getting older. And... Uh, you know, when I was younger, I would have thought that was selling out or being cheap or, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, now at 39 years old, I don't think there's really anything wrong with pleasing your audience. Like, I have a different perspective on it than I did when I was, you know, 29. That makes sense. Things, things change. Like, you know, now 
I'm not really interested in challenging people now. I just want to entertain people. Like I, I want to find common ground with my audience and with the people that I talk to. And, and, and I think there's a lot of that in the last crusade is like, you know what? We, we want to make people happy, but there's a certain amount of skill involved in that too. Like, because if you're just trying to make people happy, that's transparent. But if you're trying to make people happy and trying to remain true to a character or a thing or a franchise that you've created, there's a lot of skill involved in that. And I think that's what Last Crusade is, is it's the culmination of artistry and pop culture. I, uh, I, I don't know if I would regard it as highly as that, but I definitely think that there's a lot of that going on. I, I do think that um, it is, I, I think, the filmmakers, Stephen, uh, everybody involved actually, seem like they're having a good time. Uh, the message is good. It's not dark. It's not a dark story. Uh, there are certainly, you know, intense elements to it. But, uh, um, and it's fun. It's just plain fun. And, uh, and that, I like seeing, I, I like seeing that again. Again, it, like when they, when they ride off in the sunset at the end, I'm like, this is perfect. Yes. End it. Done. Cut scene. Print it. Let's go. Let's well, go. You know. And, and that's, I, I think that's the element I'm trying to nail is like, damn it, let's just make people feel good. Like, and there's nothing wrong with challenging people and there's nothing wrong with, man, let's, let's make people think and let's make people feel deep feelings and think things. But man, you know, I don't want that from Indiana Jones. Right. Let's just, let's give people a good time and let them walk out of the theater like, woo. <laughs> Which, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, we haven't talked about some of the other stuff like the toys and the, and the comics and the novels and the, well, we and, can't, and the, in the, the TV series and, well, and all I'm that. Real, I do. I do real quick because I think you'll you'll probably have you know with with the slightly different uh, age perspective I think you'll have a different perspective on this. Uh, I do want to talk about Young Indiana Jones a little bit because uh, when it came on and it was I think it hit in 1990 maybe it was after Last Crusade right Yes it was. Uh, I was very bored by it. Uh, I certainly didn't care for the stories with uh, the child Indiana Jones. I, I thought they were really tedious. I, I had no interest in them. I thought they were very, like, what am I sitting in school watching Voyage of the Mimi again? What, what is, ugh. Uh, the ones with Sean Patrick Flannery as a teenage Indiana Jones I found much more interesting, uh, but still didn't find as compelling as the movies. And they popped up on Netflix a few years ago. They're not on there now. And I thought, you know what? I was a dumb kid when these were on. I want to watch again and see what I think from a, a more mature perspective with, you know, much obviously at this point, much more reverence for the whole franchise and uh, certainly more reverence for Steven Spielberg, if not for George Lucas. And I went and watched them, and I was like, nope, these are still boring as shit. <laughs> I think 
that's another time though when I was like when I when I, it was obvious to me that the Indiana Jones that's in Raiders of the Lost Ark is in my head different than the the p- character that George and Steven have in their heads. Okay. Um, the the I would never have you know talk about you know you mentioned the young young Indiana Jones. Uh, but I would never have made Indiana Jones an old man with an eye patch. Uh, I, I just was like, who is this guy? Yeah, and, that was uh, very off-putting to me. Yeah, and I was like, I don't really understand this at all. So, um, that put, I like the idea of it. Let's use Indiana Jones to teach kids and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, unfortunately, I don't think it, it worked very well. Um, I think some of the stories were fun. Uh, I do think that, um, uh, certainly, uh, if anything, people should check out the uh, one opening with Harrison Ford in it. Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of, that's really fun. And, um, and yeah, Sean Patrick Flannery was pretty good, um, in some of those, uh, when they started making the little movies at the end there. Uh, I thought those were kind of entertaining, uh, but, at that point, I was kind of like, well, you know, obviously we we see the character differently, and and although I can enjoy these, they're not they're not what what uh, got me to the dance, so to speak. So well, I just uh, I, I kind of just you know was there and I was supporting them, but I I wasn't really as into them as I could have been. As a kid, I felt and and I I didn't recognize this until I was older. Uh, as a kid, I, they didn't take with me. And once I was older, I realized it's because that attempt to be educational about history was very transparent. Mm. Uh, it was very clunky. And and uh, it was very much, you're going to learn about history. Even though you know I didn't recognize that. I didn't know what it was I didn't like about them as a kid. But I didn't. Well, and I say as a kid, I was 14 years old. So, uh, you know, but at that point, I was just like, this is not Indiana Jones. Yeah. And it was really apparent, especially in the, the ones with young, uh, preteen indie. Yes. Uh, the ones, like I said, later on when they started doing like the, the two hour or whatever movie, TV, made for TV movies with Sean, they have much more an adventure feel to them. Yes. Yes. Um, they're kind of fun to watch, I think. Um, if, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if he's not named Indiana Jones, they're really awesome. Well, uh, and, and but, you know what? That's a, that's a very good point is, uh, they, it probably would have been a really neat adventure series if you didn't have the Indiana Jones expectations tied to them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty much on the same page with that. And I, I, I wonder if that's the, the common thought. And anybody listening to this, please do, uh, go to the Needless Things Facebook page and let us know, you know, how you feel about it. If you loved I, young Indiana Jones or, or here, think about this. There's probably a generation out there that was introduced to Indiana Jones through young Indiana Jones. Possibly. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening and, and you're one of those, let us know. Let us know if you adore the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles or, or whatever. Uh, 
Before we wrap up, yes, I would like to hear, like, because, uh, you know, I know we were skipping over a lot and in, in, in on purpose the last movie, but I, I just want to, like, before we wrap up, I want to hear what your your views are on the franchise now going forward. What do you do? What, in your mind, would you like to see? What do you think Disney should do with it? What do you think? Sure, sure. What, well, Because there's a lot of rumors out there. Oh yeah, of course, of um, course. And, uh, and Pratt, you know, who knows what could happen? But what would you like to see? Uh, well, and we, you know, we do. Even if briefly, we do have to address uh, Crystal Skull. And I will say, I I went in very excited because it's it's all the same people. It's the players we know. Uh, and I went in with a huge amount of faith in the movie. Very excited about it. And when I left the movie theater, I sent a text to my wife that said. That was bullshit. Uh, I was immediately disappointed. There was no retrospect about it. Uh, and I have watched it at least twice since I saw it in the theater. And I still hate Crystal Skull as much as I did the first time I saw it. So there's no, you know, it's, I personally, I think it's terrible. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, uh, I don't, I haven't watched it all the way through. Since I saw it in the theater, I've seen it a few times. Uh, actually, recently I saw I was on TV and I was flipping through the channels and I watched part of it and I cringed, going, "This is worse than I." Because I had tried. I guess I I tried to think in my head. Well, there were some magical moments. You and want to give it another chance? Absolutely. But then you watch it and you're like, "Oh, I just this it's, is it's not just pleasant. terrible." Harrison uh, Harrison Ford is phoning it in. Shia LaBeouf is, is, uh. I don't ever feel that, by the way. I don't oh, really? ever feel that Harrison's. Oh, that's interesting. In. No, I don't, I don't, uh, discredit him at all. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I will say that. I mean, I, like I said, it's been a while since I've watched it all the way through, but, you know, I feel like he's doing what he can. And even Karen Allen are doing what they can. Well, I, Karen but Allen. But it's just a mess around them. I don't blame Karen Allen because she had not acted in what, 30 years? I mean, she had retired from acting. Pretty much. She was not an actress when that movie was shot. And, <laughs> uh, to me, it shows. And I don't hold her responsible for that. Uh, I feel like it was a responsibility of the filmmakers to say, wow, we're not getting a performance out of her, uh, I think there was, you know, well, well we're going to go for nostalgia over performance. Well, uh, plus she gets a, uh, you know, a really crappy reintroduction. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm like, I, that's, I'm like, I'm like, Stephen, what the hell were you thinking? Um, there's, it's, yeah, it, it just it's, did it's not all like, bad. do her service at all. Every the minute only, of The only thing uh, that I like about uh, Crystal Skull is <laughs> it took me a while to be able to actually say it. Um, is uh, I do like the idea of of the uh, the Russian villain uh, played by Kate Blanchett. I love Kate Blanchett. I think oh, that she's. That was she's, great casting. She's she gives she, it her all. She is fantastic, but I yeah. don't feel like in the no, context it's not, of it's the not indie, worth seeing it for that. 
Right. Well, I I don't feel like because she is just incredible, chewing the fuck out of the scenery. Like she's wonderful to watch, but not in the context of an Indiana, of an Indiana Jones movie. Right. I think she's way over the top, but I love it. But it's too much. Uh, and I so will anyway. say, I will say this though. Uh, I have as much as I hate that fucking movie. I have defended the fact that the aliens are in it because the ongoing theme of the Indiana Jones movies is religion. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is about the Christian faith. Temple of Doom is involving uh, Eastern faith. And Last Crusade returns to the Christian faith, but it's all about religion. And those crystal skulls, as as much as it might be the fringes of a faith, it is the ancient astronauts like that kind of stuff, and that's a thing. And while I don't necessarily think it's appropriate, it is something that you know what they wanted to explore it. They did it in the worst way possible, but but I don't think it's it's beyond what we've seen. I think there there was probably a better way to present it. Yes. And if yes. we had gotten that, then I don't think anybody would have been complete. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. I don't think the crystal skulls, <laughs> I don't think the crystal skulls and the ancient alien or the ancient astronauts, uh, were a bad thing for them to explore. I just think they did it in the shittiest way possible. Yeah. All right. So, so in the, so going, going forward, <laughs> going forward, uh, or man, back or whatever you think they should do. Dude, honestly, uh, I don't know. It's a tough call for me because I, I it's, it's a hard thing to be objective about. Uh, I love the character of Indiana Jones and, you know, you do have comic books and novels and, and for me, uh, video games, uh, super, super Nintendo produced a, a very awesome Indiana Jones video game that, that presented the, uh, the first three movies, uh, in a very fun way. Uh, if anybody has played super, the, the super Star Wars for Empire Strikes Back, Super Turn of the Jedi, it's the same kind of stuff. Uh, those Lucas Super Nintendo games to me are very formative. Um, and then we've also got computer games. We've got other adventures that, that have been portrayed. So Indiana Jones has been separated from Harrison Ford to a certain degree in certain media. But I just cannot see Indiana Jones being recast. Um, and Which is weird because he's already been played by... Sean Patrick Flannery and the kid. (laughs) Right. But here's the thing. I think a critical linchpin is going to be The Force Awakens. If we see a re-energized Harrison Ford as Han Solo, if we go into The Force Awakens and it takes us back to the original trilogy... And we think during Kingdom of Crystal Skull, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I sat there and I thought, this is Han Solo trying to be Indiana Jones. All right, not Han Solo. This is Harrison Ford trying to be Indiana Jones. And it's not working. If I go into Force Awakens and I walk out and I think that was Han Solo, 
instead of thinking that was Harrison Ford trying to be Han Solo, then I will have faith that we could potentially get another Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones. Uh, if I go into Force Awakens and I think that was Harrison Ford trying to be Han Solo, then I might consider maybe it's time to recast. Maybe somebody else could be Indiana Jones, and it's not going to be Chris Pratt. Uh, I love Chris Pratt. Uh, I would probably give him a big kiss on the mouth if I had the opportunity. <laughs> but Don't bite him. <laughs> right. Well... <laughs> I don't want Chris Pratt in every movie ever made. I don't think Chris Pratt is Indiana Jones. I, I think either. if we go forward with Indiana Jones as a franchise, which I think we should, uh, I think it needs to be somebody we don't really know. And I think it, it, it's got to be the right person. It's got to be somebody you sit back and you look at the screen and you think that's Indiana Jones, as opposed to thinking that's Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones. Uh <laughs> And I don't know if that could ever happen. I really don't. But the, a lot of the future of Star Wars and Indiana Jones hangs on how Harrison Ford portrays Han Solo in The Force Awakens. And I don't, I can't comment beyond that. I, um, I, I like the franchise too much to think it should die with, right, or right. be over. So. Yes. So I do want to see it continue. And, I do think you know it's what? possible to continue. Do you and, know where that comes from? Is James Bond? Um. Okay. To we'll a certain that. extent, because we've been conditioned to think the character supersedes the actor. Um, in some cases, I mean, I'm look. I've been used to uh, all my life, whether it was Dracula or or Sherlock Holmes or James Bond. Please or, don't mention I Dream of Jeannie. Or any sort of British, uh, other British actor or character um, that they have I've seen play, you know, played by different people. I, I get it. I mean, it, it you know, it works. So I, I think, but uh, here's the thing. Okay, so if if I have if I can hold the cards, um, what I would say would be uh, two things. I would say Harrison. Uh, Stephen and George, I would love to see a movie from you guys, but not an Indiana Jones movie. I would like you guys to do oh. something unique, something different. Come up with something. Pull your resources. Show me you can the, that this that this trinity of yours can wow me with some something. Oh, that's interesting. I, that never even occurred to me. And then I would I would go. Okay, so we've got the Indiana Jones franchise. You're right, Chris. I like you. You're amazing, but. Um, you don't need to be every character. Well, I I, I do know that um, among the initial auditions for Indiana Jones back in the day, before they decided on Tom Selleck, they actually looked at comedians. Um, I think I think I want to say some of the SNL guys like Bill Murray or oh, I wasn't aware was of that at all. Yeah, um, just real briefly. I don't think they did screen tests or anything like that. But I don't think Indiana Jones is a comedian. Um, no, and, I, and, I agree. And as cool as Chris Pratt is, he's a comedian. Can he play dark? Maybe. Um, I don't. We don't know yet. So, um, but I think also he's too old for the Indiana Jones story that I would tell. So I would say, okay, let's start from the beginning. Let's start with that first 
uh, adventure with Indiana Jones, uh, Professor Ravenwood, and Marion. And, sure. and, and, and let's tell that story. And let's, let's get someone really good to write the script. If we can get Lawrence Kasdan back, I would really appreciate that. Well, and he's um, active again, as we know. Absolutely. I mean, Disney Bucks can talk, right? Sure. And, um, and, and it's worth <laughs> noting that they, they're the Indiana Jones people now as well. Yes, absolutely. So I would say let's, you know, I don't know about a, a director that, uh, you would pick right now. I'd have to think about that a little bit. Um, well, and <laughs> I, I don't, you know, off the top of my head, uh, I, you know, I can't name directors for anything. Uh, my you know, I mean, God. I'm, I'm aware I'll... of directors, but as far as assigning them to certain things, I think Marvel Studios has honestly changed the game too much for me to easily assign anything to a director because they have taken these art house people and allowed them to make these, these popcorn blockbuster movies. So now it's kind of hard to assign things to a certain director. Right. And my gut is, I know, I am convinced in my own head that Edgar Wright can make a hugely successful, awesome, fun adventure film. That's an entirely different episode because I am not convinced of that whatsoever. So I, I, <laughs> but I don't know if I would, if, if he was not into it, if he just saw it as a studio assignment, then I'd have to pass because whoever does this, I want to, I want them to care. You know, sure. And I want them not to be inspired by the Indiana Jones movies, but to be inspired by the original serials that it was based on. Well, and I do want to be clear here. I love Edgar Wright. I want Edgar Wright to continue making Edgar Wright movies for as long as he's alive. I love his movies, but I do not think he's the guy for any big budget studio movie. That's just me. It, and and, and you could be right. And you it. could be right. Um, because I could – I always had a problem picturing his Ant-Man as part of the bigger Marvel Cinematic Universe. I never saw how his aesthetics could fit in. I never saw that happening. Right. I see what you mean. Although things that like Netflix have done recently have shown that there's a wider – Oh, oh, for than, sure. Than, but, than we originally thought. But, but that's, the Netflix stuff does not tie in really to the MCU. Like we're not is. going to, we're not, it is part of the MCU, right. but we're not going to see Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock in the Infinity War. Right, right. That's just not going to happen. Right. So anyway, so that's, that's where I would go. I would, I would want, I would want it like, let's start clean. And I'm not, I don't want to reboot of Raiders. I don't want you to tell that story no, again. No, 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 no. But, you know, if you've got this actor and this team and this creative team for three or four movies, there's a lot of movies that, and look, I'm not the biggest prequel guy, but I think that there's some room there. Well, that but you could allow for some really interesting stories about with, I mean, you could, like in my mind, you could have Marion be with him. You could rewrite the whole kind of like, you know, it's, universe of, of Indiana Jones and have Indy and Marion and together on all these adventures. Well, together. and it's not one, it's not even about it being a prequel. It's about it being another adventure. It, it would be like starting over, but starting at it from an earlier point. Well, but that's what I would look you at. You know what? I don't even know if it's that so much as, uh, again, 
and I keep relating this to James Bond, but that's because it's the easiest pop culture ongoing franchise for me to relate to. Uh, you know, I think we're too tied to continuity at this point. I think we're too tied to things being specific. You know, don't, don't worry about when it takes place in the timeline. Don't worry about tying it in to what we've seen before. Just give us a kick-ass Indiana Jones story and don't worry about like, well, wait, is this thing going to conflict with this thing? Do we have to have a bunch of clever little nods to things that happened in this other thing? Just just give us a great story and I don't think it matters. Well, yes. I mean, that's that, don't be I agree so, with that. Don't be so beholden to continuity. Because, no, I don't. Yeah, I would. That's why I'm saying I don't think it should be like a prequel. Like I think, like I said, watching, it should be a reboot. Tell a good story, and then let's let's see where no, it goes. Nobody watching Octopussy was sitting there thinking like, "Well, wait a minute. Would the James Bond from Thunderball have done this, or does this contradict what happened in that?" Nobody gives a shit because it's fun. It's great. We love yeah, it. Yeah. Well. I don't know if there was a lot of thought put in an octopusy anyway. And well, and you know what? That's that's another <laughs> uh unfortunately uh the you know, that's where we've gotten with entertainment and media is people think they're so smart now that they do everyone feels like they're on the inside. Everyone <laughs> feels like they know like, oh, well this thing needs to happen there. Like uh so much of the mystique of movie making has been taken away that I guess we are past that innocence of Hollywood being able to just say, hey, this is this character doing this thing. Don't worry about that other shit. Like, I guess those days are kind of gone. Which and is even the James Bond movies. I mean, don't don't forget that For Your Eyes Only opened with a revenge scenario for what happened to Connery and George Lazenby. Yeah, yeah, and well, and that's so. The thing. I mean, it's not like it never referenced its history. Sure, and and it has, and and uh, I think there's a way to do that without being beholden to it. Yeah, I agree, but I would like, like I said, I would like to see it continue. I'm sad that the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular is being torn down at Disney Oh my World. gosh, I know. Um, I am dying to go to the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. I've heard that's phenomenal. So I, that is definitely on my bucket list. And uh, I don't know. I think it's still and, – and you know what? I look forward to that day because I'm going to be in the confines of Disney anyway. So you're like – it's a big warm hug, right? Right, right. But can you imagine, I mean, all the nostalgic feelings that are going to come back to me from Raiders – going on that ride and just being part of that experience in Disneyland, that is like, to me, um, the most thing that I'm, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to as far as anything Indiana Jones related at this point. Well, and the bottom line though, is Indiana Jones is a proven franchise. It's a recognizable name, and these days in Hollywood having a recognizable name is currency. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's... There will be another Indiana Jones movie, regardless yes. of how it goes down. It will happen because Disney is not going to let something <laughs> not make money for them. Yes. We will see a new Indiana Jones movie. Someday there will be a new Indiana Jones attraction in MGM Studios in Orlando. There's no doubt that that's going to happen. Uh, there, I would, I would put money that whenever the next Indiana Jones things happen, we're going to get three of them. 
because that's how Hollywood operates now. Uh, and this is my argument about Disney running Star Wars. Disney didn't buy Star Wars to put it in a vault and lock it away. They yep. bought it to make money. And as the guardians of the franchise, they are going to do what's best for that franchise. And that is diametrically opposed to how George Lucas felt about the franchise. And with Indiana Jones, it's the same way. Uh, you know, whatever you might say about corporate thinking or about Hollywood money making, Disney's going to do what's best for the Indiana Jones franchise. And as a result, you know, we may not get Raiders of the Lost Ark. We may not get that interesting kind of edgy anti-hero thing, but we're going to get Indiana Jones and it's going to be pleasing. We're going to dig it because Disney doesn't, they're, they're there to make money. And they got a bunch of smart fucking people working over at Disney, believe you me. So whatever happens next with Indiana Jones, uh, I feel like we're in the best position we've been in since Last Crusaders to get some good, entertaining, fulfilling Indiana Jones stories, whatever they may be. Because Disney's, Disney's not going to let it go to pot. Nope. Nope. So any uh, any closing thoughts about the franchise? Obviously, this has been a big one for you, uh, which I didn't even know when I asked you about it. Uh, <laughs> but in any last uh, little things you want to get out there, uh, fond memories, specific things about your experiences with the Indiana Jones franchise? Um, I mean, I pretty much said, you know, uh, I, I said, I, I said, it, it's the most important movie in my life. I, I don't know how I could top do say anything more to top that right so, right so so you know i i <laughs> and uh and and michelle's never seen it <laughs> <laughs> well you know that stuff happens um how's how's that for interesting little tidbits <laughs> and you know i used to I, I used to experience, you know, craziness about people when they said, oh, I haven't seen Star Wars or I haven't seen this or that. But you know what? Everybody's led a different life. Everybody's got different interests. Whatever. It, it is what it is. And, and, uh, the, the best thing is, like I said, we can all look forward to whatever's next for Indiana Jones. Cause whatever, whatever the internet reaction may be, because at this point, no matter how good the news is about a franchise we love, the internet is going to have factions that hate it. It's going to crap all over it. And they're going to have factions that love it. And, you know, we just each have to make our own personal decisions about how we feel about things. And I'll tell you right now, if I was a betting man, I would put my money on Disney every single time. So uh, next Indiana Jones we get is going to be pretty fucking cool, whatever it is. I, I hope you're right. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Once again, last, last minute, last, uh, last minute topic. And, uh, it's been a great conversation as I knew it would be. And now it's time for you to put over your stuff. Where well, can we, I can't where can promise anything you? as, I can't promise anything as life changing as, you know, a Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, but, <laughs> uh, I am trying to, uh, 
tell my own little stories. So you can check out all my uh, books and comics and CDs and, and all that at uh, newlegendmike.com. And, of course, you can hear me talk about all this nonsense and more um, and uh, the new Star Wars movie because we're getting ready to uh, – to to review that in a couple weeks, so I'm really excited about that. Dude, on the next week, one. next week, next week, insane! And the Star Wars movie that we have been waiting for since like 1984 is coming out. Yes, what the fuck? That is, uh, uh, oh, it's good times, man. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on again, uh, New Legend Mike. Uh, pretty much everywhere: Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else. If you if you look for New Legend Mike, you'll find you. You'll find me. Thanks a lot, man, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Happy holidays, my friend. We barely scratched the surface of that franchise. There's so much more to talk about. Uh, there are a lot of video games, uh, which I have played some of them. I, I think I did mention... Uh, Super, the Super Nintendo game, but, uh, we didn't touch on the novels, the comic books, uh, from Dark Horse, uh, and I don't even know if there were comics from other companies. I feel sure there have been. Uh, but, but, you know, with just the movies alone, obviously there's so much to talk about, and I'll, I'll give you guys a little something here. I guess I'm gonna tease you a little bit, because I'm gonna give it to you and take it away. Uh, Mike and I talked for three hours. We recorded essentially three podcasts <laughs> the other night uh, but only the Indiana Jones content was suitable for sharing uh, there were just there were a lot of controversial things mentioned in in the other ones uh, one of them was a little personal and then uh, uh, the other topic that came up uh, we, we talked Doctor Who and I'm writing about it now and I just don't want to get too much more into it it's not uh, i i don't know it's not going up uh, i'll say that but just be glad you've got the best part of the three hours of conversation uh with us talking about indiana jones for quite some time and like i said barely scratching the surface you can find the needless things podcast on itunes and on stitcher i would appreciate it if you would share it review it do whatever it takes to get more people checking out the Needless Things podcast. And if they don't like it, that's fine. But just, you know, come on, Needless Things Army. Do your duty or something. I don't know. Go to NeedlessThingsSite.com. Join the Needless Things podcast group on Facebook. Let us know what you think. And if you have a thing that you want to share or promote or whatever... Drop me a line at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. If you know a convention that you think could use the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show, let me know. I would love to come see you. Do you know why? Because I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.